Worm the Hockey Podcast, episode 46. We are back in the studio, back in the saddle. 46 this week. Um, we are we're gonna we're gonna start this week, um, and we're gonna talk just NHL. Kind of go the direction of splitting things up a little bit and uh, see if that pays pays off a little bit and keeping things cleaner. We uh, have a little trouble with our focus here. We have problems really dialing in on things and staying with it. We're kind yeah. of all over the map and and uh, it's really not we we know that our listeners can follow along. It's it's, it's us more that for we're us. Concerned. Yes. Um, before anything, make sure uh, you head to the necessary platforms, you subscribe, you uh, rate and review, you like and you follow. Uh, that's Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And uh, settle in for episode 46. Um, this week is the push for the playoffs as we um, discuss things. Uh, we're going to start uh, real quick. Uh, we want to co- cover um, a lot, um, but there's um, some things that I've noticed this season um, that I find beneficial Coaches' challenges are down. Good. Um, there's a stat here that I can look, um, but they are they are down a lot. So the rule change has had the desired effect on on coaches' challenges and uh, the the way teams handle those things. It's yeah. no longer they're not using no it as a timeout. An elongated uh, timeout. Right. Um, it's now a an effective tool if you actually think that your goaltender was interfered with. Um, so it's paying off. Um, I don't have it in front of me here, but um, it is down significantly. I think coaches' challenges last year were 233 for the season, and there's 122 so far. Yeah, and it's and this year. <clears throat> the games are games are coming along a little bit quicker. You're not having those long drawn out pixel by pixel looks at whether or not somebody's toe is off the blue line for an offside. Let the guys call it on the ice. They should never have done anything with it in the first place. And I won't, I'll keeping focus in mind. I won't go on a rant about this, but don't overhaul the entire system because David Ayers had to come into a game one night. Every few years, the backup, the, the e-bug goaltender gets called on so don't make rules and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars and, and just waste a bunch of resources because it really isn't a big factor. It's kind of a good story. It got a lot of press, and it was great. And so they, you know, Matt Duchesne goes offside once, and they rewrite the whole rule book. Leave it alone. Yeah. The guys will get it. The players will get it right. The referees and linesmen will get it right. Leave it alone. Yeah. Well, uh <laughs> We're gonna co- we're gonna cover some things today. Uh, we're gonna cover um, unsung heroes. I know yep. that's something you want to talk about. We're gonna cover um, some congratulations, some career milestones for a couple of guys. Um, a quick ode of respect from me to a uh, to a certain franchise, and um, we're gonna talk about whether or not we see Drysidle being the heart favorite. Uh, amongst other things, as well as you just mentioned it, but how we feel about the emergency goaltender rule, yep, and um, the effect that we're seeing not just at the deadline but throughout the year of um, how teams are already kind of handling things for the expansion draft. Uh, so um, before anything, again, hit the subscribe button, rate and review, settle in. Episode forty-six of War Room the Hockey Podcast, and we will be right back with you after a quick break. Podcast episode forty six, the push for the playoffs. We um, let's. I, I've got a list here. Let's go down it um, again. Coaches' challenges are down uh, this season. Good thing. Desired effect. Coaches were using it as um, an elongated timeout more so than wanting to win a challenge. 
So the introduction at the beginning of the year, and it's something, and it's what I predicted in an earlier episode before the season started, that the introduction to penalties for failed challenges would make coaches second guess, and it's done exactly that. They are now, rather than throwing out a challenge to give their guys a breather, now it's, okay, was my goaltender interfered with? Right. Was he offside? And then we'll go from there. So that's the... Um, desired effect and it's actually been beneficial um you tell me if you feel kind of the same way you and i both are the the first to um support and defend officials absolutely um i understand the human nature of officiating that mistakes can happen it's human nature um but but i fall back on something brad lazarowicz told us about the standard of calls. Okay. Have you noticed what I've noticed? And that is there seems to be a good amount of inconsistency on what the standard of calls are lately. It's, it's It's easy to jump and blame the officials, which is not what I'm trying to do. But there's been, a have noticed in a, a lot of games this this season, a lot of inconsistency on what penalties are and what the standard of a penalty is. And I know any I know you could argue it's subjective that anybody based on who their favorite team is or anything like that will have their own views of things. Yeah, but that's but there I've I've tried I've tried anyway to look at it objectively from the perspective you know, of the standard. And I've noticed a lot of things in a lot of games, no matter who my favorite team is, that should be called that isn't, that is called that shouldn't. There's a lot of inconsistency. One one is a blatant penalty that isn't called, and then in the same game, again, with the other team, it is called. Like, there's a lot of con- inconsistency that I've noticed. That is, I'm going to... And I don't, want, I don't want to blindly just jump to defend officials. No. But I no. also don't want to just shit on them either. So I'm just no, trying to find... We won't do that. But I, I think, first of all, you got to understand that every official is different. And while they try to conform to the same exact standards, there is what, what the guys all refer to. Uh, John McCauley was the best ever at it. Wes is tremendous. It's called the feel for the game. Used to be... Many years ago, uh, when everybody had enforcers and sometimes four or five of them, that you had to you had to feel how a game was going as an official. You had to either let them play and let them settle it themselves, or you had to call the penalties really close to keep the thing to keep the lid from blowing off the rink. So that doesn't happen so much anymore. But it's still it, there is still a feel for the game because if you let guys run around a little bit that's real contagious, right? So mm-hmm. your guy gets run, you're going to run somebody else. Now you've got guys finishing checks with their elbows up and going with knees and things. So it, there's a feel for the game that you got to you got to pay very, very close attention to. I think it's just difficult night on night and based on the score. Like I, 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 one quick story I remember as a, as a coach, you would get, we got, we were up, uh, on one of our neighboring teams, one of our rivals, we were up seven to one. We had a parade of minor penalties, and one of my favorite officials, one of our favorite officials that you know well, was calling that game, and we just had one guy after another go into the box. It was seven to one, it was the third period, and we probably took five or six minor penalties. And it, there was, there's kind of a, I, I don't know, let's call it just a, an unspoken understanding that the, he wasn't trying to even the score, but the, the game itself was so tilted that if he had let us run wild, you know, the guys might have not stopped from running up the score. So finally, after five or six penalties, I, I looked at the guy he comes by and I said, when is enough enough? Let's, we'll just dump it in and let the clock run. Is, can we stop this? And he kind of gave me a sheepish grin and said, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, that's enough. 
So I guess the, the, the long, that's the long version of sometimes without even knowing it, the best officials will feel that a game is lopsided and maybe calls will be, things will look a little different. I would also caution everybody, me and you included, to watch games in which you have no skin at all. Watch a game where you couldn't care less who wins. You don't even know the guys. Pick up a pick up a game where you're not familiar. Watch that game and see that it's it's going to go pretty well. I mean, you're you're if you watch a game and you don't have any interest in who wins or loses, the officiating is going to look a lot better to you. Right. Yep. No, I agree. So, I just wanted to put that out there because I I noticed based on my viewpoint of what Brad. Lazarowicz told us, yeah. you know, I've, I've started paying more attention a little bit just to kind of see. And, you know, I've noticed some inconsistencies that to, on a surface level, to maybe an uneducated person or a blind eye would look kind of bad with how inconsistent it is. But there, so and I, I think that's something, that's why... That's why guys like Brad Lazarowicz have a job, and that's why they work so hard at doing what they do at the NHL level. Uh, I mean, Bill McCreary and and uh, Dave Jackson's doing it in the AHL now. Um, these guys, they they take the retired guys and put them in supervisory positions to help the younger the younger officials coming along to be more consistent. They review them, they go over it with them. Um, it's a it's an ongoing thing, and uh, and I think the league does as good of a job with it as they can. As you said at the stop at the top of it, I we we're always going to err on the side of the referees. Oh, agreed, agreed. Um, so after all the hype last night, Hutchinson got a win. Yep. After all the buzz around how <laughs> in Toronto about how he can't do it, he <laughs> he picked up a win last night in his first contest in Colorado. Yeah, he gave up a goal on in the first few minutes on a what, second shot or something, and and there had to be a lot of people saying, "Oh, here we go again." Mm-hmm. But lo and behold, end of the night, he wins two to one. Granted, it was the Detroit Red Wings, but it was still a win, and and it was still Mike Hutchinson, and it was pretty much exactly by the script that we talked about last week. Mm. Well, congrats on on that note. Granted, it was Detroit. I. I don't like that because watching them play last night, respect to them. Oh yeah, I no question. And in uh, in a, an abysmal season and a season that they undoubtedly are itching to just get over with. <laughs> yeah, they play they play puck drop to puck to puck drop, puck drop to buzzer, beginning to end. They they grind away. They and I had to remind myself watching last night. Um, on multiple occasions that this team only has 15 wins yeah and that this team is abysmal this is a and hard i had to remind myself team. because of how they played last night Amen. they looked like a if you're not paying attention to the standings you're you're going to take the guess that detroit is near the top in the eastern conference with the way they played they last play night. hard they played very very well last night so respect to um blashell to jeff blashell and the team and, yeah. and it's got to be for, tough to motivate those guys every night and they continue to come out and, and play so yeah. i respect that and anybody who knows me personally knows how hard that is to say being an avalanche fan and the history that detroit and colorado have but respect to <laughs> respect to them for having 36 points on the years, yep. whatever they have, and playing that hard, continuing to come out and play that hard, and yep. what Agreed. is undoubtedly a difficult time to stay motivated and even want to show up, let alone compete. So, Good point. So, yeah, and, and I don't, I didn't mean that in a disrespectful way. No, absolutely. It, they I just, just they struggle. A, it's a, it's a, absolutely one of the most troubling seasons in franchise history, in NHL history. Yeah. It was That's it was it was a natural transition for me, so yep. I just wanted to throw that out there. So, respect to them, and they're they're not going to be bad for forever. So, they've got the draft picks, they've got Dylan Larkin, they've got pieces. So, um, Detroit will be back in a competitive nature before too long. So, speaking of coming back, how about a salute for Bobby Ryan? Yep, 
substance abuse. Uh, I think it was an alcohol program he alcohol. went through. Yep. Uh, missed a bunch of games. Came back and scored. Had a hattie. hattie. Yep. Uh, first night back in in Ottawa. Uh, good kid. You know, you tend to forget that he was a coin flip away from the Sid Crosby pick um, mm -hmm. 15 years ago, and um, he's still he's still duking it out. So, uh, you know, good on him. He's he's struggled a lot. He's had a lot of injuries. Uh, over the years, but um, you gotta you gotta applaud him. And um, along with that, uh, you mentioned him last week, Jay Bowmeister, feeling good back in the back in the rink. Um, He's sitting out the rest of the year. Yeah, as he should. As and he, he should probably uh, and probably maybe depending on depending on um, how St. Louis finishes the year. You know, do they win the cup? Do they get eliminated? Yeah. I think that'll have an effect on whether he returns or not. But I'm going to take a guess that I'm going to take a as good of a guess as I can that he'll sit through the off season and he'll come to the conclusion that this is that's that's enough. I, that he'll that he'll 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 walk away while he can still walk away, and he'll be with his wife and his kids, and he'll he'll walk off into the sunset in what undoubtedly is as close to a Hall of Fame career for a guy as you could argue. Very quiet. Uh, that, a quiet guy. <laughs> that press conference. Stanley Cup victory. <laughs> He's played eight, 17, 18 seasons. He's he had constantly a, been in your top four pair, no matter who he plays for. Absolutely. He's... And an, uh, he's an unassuming guy. Beauty and skater. And he always gets the job done. Yeah. Beautiful skater. I won't say that he's a Hall of Famer, but I'm going to say that he should at least be considered when the time comes. I think he strung together 800 and some games without a miss, yeah. which, you know, I absolutely love the, those streaks. The Ironman streaks are, those are just, those are fantastic. I love those guys. Uh, but good for Jay Bomeister, and, and that was the most... That was the most words he's spoken in 17 years yeah. at that press conference. He gave about five sentences and thanks to the doctors and everything. And, and that was, I mean, this guy, there's, it's a good thing he doesn't get paid by the word. Mm -hmm. But good kid. And our travel companions, uh, I think I might have told you, uh, the couple that we traveled with, the lady went to high school with Dan Bomeister, who is Jay's dad. Oh, okay. So, uh, and same way, great athlete, three, four sport athlete and couldn't pry three words out of the guy. So, <laughs> uh, but anyway, good on him and, uh, root for guys like Jay Bo and, and Bobby Ryan. <clears throat> and, you know, that may be a segue into our kind of unsung heroes section of things here. Yep. And we talk about it a lot, uh, off camera. Um, we talk about the guys that you just can't win without. And the, you know, the first one that comes to mind is a guy like Matt Calvert. Um, over the years, pick your, pick your conference champions, your conference finalists, your Stanley cup winners, and look down those rosters at the, at the six, eight, 10 guys on those, uh, on those depth charts. It's not going to be Crosby or McDavid or Nathan McKinnon or somebody like that. It's going to be the role player, the guy who pitches in with the hits, kills the penalties, blocks the shots, you know, tosses in the occasional goal, shows up for work every day, and uh, and they're the guys that no one ever ever can win without. But they just don't get the headlines. They're the guys you never heard of, uh, but boy, inside the inside the rooms when. Uh, when trade deadlines and, and free agency and things like that roll around, they get a lot of attention because everybody knows you got to have them. Agreed. Agreed. They're uh, your bottom six type forwards, but they, they're they indispensable. So, um, and every team, if every team will have a guy like that, believe it or not. Yeah. Every team. Every, they all, well, the, the successful ones do. And even, you know, you, you brought up a good point about Detroit Red Wings. You know, look at them. Uh, look how hard they work. I mean, those guys are, they're understaffed there. But look at a guy, uh, look at the way that team works. And, you know, I, w I was looking at the Columbus Blue Jackets the other night. Their entire team is that way. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't, you know, because of their, their, their one team who has had maybe the, the person on that team that gets the most ice time in the last few months has been the trainer because they have, they are just ruined with injuries. Uh, but, you know, here they are working every night and, and guys like Felino and, and people like that. I mean, they, their, their entire roster works the same way. 
They're just, a, they're vicious yep. in the best possible way. Well, do you, do you have a list of guys from? Oh, I've got a, yeah, some of them jump out. Um, they're, they're guys that, um, they're guys that have to be in that role. They're guys that might, might not yet be in that role, but they, but they will be and they're pivotal for the success of the team. So it's a little bit, uh, it's not always going to look the same, but, um, I look at, at the Colorado Avalanche, I'd say probably, uh, Graves on defense, just a, dynamic role player uh and not somebody who's getting much much press outside of colorado nope uh, even there i mean they don't they don't talk about him much but there he is every night playing he's, you know 25 minutes and blocking shots he's and, leads the league in plus minus and yeah. he never gets talked about yeah so la kings have got gabe gabe velarde coming along yep. and he's going to be pivotal for them he may never be uh, a 40 goal scorer but he's um he's going to be that guy Drake Batherson in Ottawa. Um, Mike McLeod coming up in New Jersey. Going to be a guy that you have to have every night. Uh, in Arizona, I love Jake Chikrin, the defense, young defenseman. Who wouldn't want to have him? Um, I don't know, maybe you saw him play quite a lot, Blake Como in Dallas. He's a, he's a, he's a he's that, uh, quality, solid middle six guy he's capable of being up in your top six if needed but he's a he's fits perfectly in your middle six yep. right there so he's he's a guy for dallas that's and he's put he's putting up numbers in dallas that in a in a secondary scoring way the way he did in colorado so he's a he's, he's a shorthanded threat and he's too. been doing it for years yep. so he's a you know he's and he's a guy that as long as his as long as his body holds out, he will have a job because people love to have guys like him in their roster. And this, this is the same for most of these guys. So tell me this one. You see the Central Division quite a lot. Maybe the guy that gets talked about the least in St. Louis is Vince Dunn? Yeah. And what an absolutely awesome player he is. I mean, this, this is a guy that... he He's solid. He's I would a, love him on my team. He's solid. Tremendous defenseman. And gosh, nobody ever talks about him. Yeah, he's solid. He, um, he's kind of the unsung hero in the Bowmister situation too. Yeah, and his quick reaction on the bench. So he, he's he's a, a quality top four guy. Absolutely, a, in a defensive course. So Absolutely, I'll agree with that one. I like uh, I like Jake Vertanen a lot in Vancouver, uh, and I'm not trying to jump around the league here, but I really like the way he his game has come along. He's a big. Kind of a nasty guy, a kid that that will throw hits. The first time I ever saw him play in person was at remember when they used to have the Young Stars tournament here, yep. and everybody was all whipped up about five years ago because when he put a hit on McDavid, yeah, McDavid, the place was sold out. Everybody standing in line to get a ticket to this Young Stars game because McDavid was going to play. So, and he came out of the Ontario League, so nobody had seen him out west here, and very first shift of the game. Vertanen catches him with his head down, wallpapers him, never seen again. <laughs> so all these people, 5,000 people, packed the SOEC. They saw about 11 seconds of McDavid, and that was the end of it. They never put him back in the tournament. Yep. Well, why would you? It's a, just a young <laughs> exactly. star thing. So, I'll say one thing about the Vancouver Canucks, though, and I've watched them play a lot this year. Until they turn Louis Erickson into an empty dressing stall, I'm not going to feel sorry for this team. I think they work hard. I love Travis Green. I love the way they play. They've been drafted and traded well. They're picking up to Foley and Pearson. Uh, great moves. It's a big, heavy, skilled team playing really well without Besser. But when they flunk out eventually, I cannot shed a tear until they dump Louis Erickson. And I got no axe to grind with the guy, but he is $6.5 million worth of absolutely thin air. Anything, uh, who's on your radar? Anybody in particular? No, no. Um, in terms of unsung guys, that's kind of covers it. There's a lot of, there's a lot more underrated guys than we give credit for. Oh, I know. I, you know what? I've got, I've got yeah, at least one on every team. Overly simplistic answer would be any player on any team that isn't making nine or 10 million. 
you could you could lump in there because though the nine or ten million guys and above will be your guys that get all the, the headlines. Right. They're the ones in the Hart Trophy race. They're the ones con Smythe discussion in the playoffs. They're the ones you know that come contract extension are the ones talked about the big money raises. They're the ones you know and all yep. this stuff. And anybody on any team on any roster, no matter the position that falls under that, you could argue is going to work despite making 1.5 million. Yeah. Now I say despite I'd I'd give anything to make 1.5, but in terms of a professional athlete, in terms of being somebody that, that I clearly am not, you, you go in not getting all the headlines. It may or may not affect you in a certain way. So you're an unsung guy if you're, in my opinion, if you're not a top tier money guy like that. So absolutely, there's a, a any number of guys that could be considered an unsung, underrated guy, and I mean, not really underrated anymore with the way he produces. But Brinkett in Chicago is a right is a is a is a guy you um, I mean go down the list. How about Zach Hyman in Toronto? Hyman and um, Guys fighting over each other to Mangi- get Hyman on their Mangiapani line. and Calgary. Absolutely. And, and things like that. So there's guys that are pivotal every night for a team to win that you don't hear talked about. Even more so, pivotal not just for your success every night and for digging the puck out of the corner for the stars, but if you get mileage out of these guys, that changes your cap structure. So now... If you get it, it, when you get a guy like Vince Dunn, who can play with anybody in the league, he can play in any matchup. He can play physically. He can play uh, the stretch game. When you get a guy playing like that, now your whole view of your depth chart changes, and you're not going to be held hostage by a left shot top pair defenseman because you've already got one. And, and Vince Dunn's not going to call. He's not going to break the bank for you, and he keeps he keeps the rest of your salary cap honest. And a lot of these guys are just exactly that that way. They're if they develop and continue to go, they're going to keep the salary cap honest, and they're going to make a GM's job much much easier, so that you don't have to break your cap over one guy or two guys. You you can you, it gives you way better leverage. And in in that along those lines, um, Travis Konechny in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. How about the Kubali kid in Chicago? He's playing. You mentioned solid. Debrinket. They've got. He's going to score thirty goals this year, yep. and he's. I mean, he's just that guy. Yep. You but know. It, you it, know. We talk about Tom Wilson in Washington, and he's not exactly unsung. He's well, not, he's under not the an radar, underrated guy. But he just the way he produces and the way he plays, so right, wrong, or indifferent. Yeah, I mean, he's. He's critical in the lineup, but he, in terms of the discussion of an underrated, unsung guy, he just he doesn't fall in that category. Right. He 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 would if he had the physical play that he does, and he put up fifteen goals instead of thirty, and he put and he wasn't necessarily on the top line. Then you might say, "Wow, that is a pivotal guy that nobody talks about, right? Nobody this and that, but everybody wants." Yeah. Well, he just and, a- and everybody wants him. But everybody wants him to the point where they can't shut up about him, and and so in that in that you know vein of the discussion, to me he doesn't fall into the unsung underrated category. No, not at all. But he's pivotal to that. Agreed. He, agreed. The success of that team and is not his name is not Ovechkin or Carlson. Agreed on that uh, basis. Sure, but our one of War Room's favorite guys, Nate Schmidt. In love Vegas. Nate Schmidt. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe the Colton Sevier in Florida falls into this category uh, when you get when you get a lot of really meaningful miles out of him. Uh, I probably the only one that's going to cause a stir is Zach Cassian in Edmonton, and I I know people say oh playing with McDavid and you know the kicking incident and all that stuff, but I'm telling you this guy goes. He really, um, he really changes the way that roster is viewed. He does. Here's my take on it, though. The issue with Cassian is ever since his contract extension, 
six weeks ago or, eight, or however long ago. He hasn't really done much. Now, I know that he's been suspended seven games, and I know he's de- dealt with that. But, There's that. But which he rightfully deserved, by the way. But ever since his contract extension, even playing with Con- with McDavid and Dreisaitl, he hasn't produced much. He's fallen off a, a bit in his production. I don't think he gets paid to produce a lot, and this is just my opinion. I don't I don't claim to be Dave Tippett or or know anything that's going on inside that room, but I his presence is just one that's going to keep more people honest. Agreed. It's going to keep Matt Kachuk from Agreed. running around. Agreed. There's ways to look at it. There's yeah. ways that we're not going to know 100% because we're not in the, in the room. Um, but there's ways to look at it. Is he on the on a line with McDavid as a modern day McSorley type of type of guy to protect your your right along those lines? You're great. Yep. Or or is it a mixture of a couple things? And in today's NHL, you need a guy who can also produce if he's going to be on your top line, uh, a la Tom Wilson. Right. Tom Wilson can protect Backstrom and Ovi the same way that Cassian can protect um, McDavid, but Wilson puts up 30 goals. So my argue, my argument with Cassian is he doesn't produce the, enough. the protection is great, but if you're going to put... But you're not producing enough to, to be with McDavid. Well, the difference between, you're right, and the difference between him and, and Ryan Reeves is Ryan Reeves is playing third and fourth line minutes. Mm-hmm. And so... and it, So Ryan Reeves' production matches where he is in the lineup. Exactly. And not just that, but no disrespect to Vegas, but they don't have anybody that stands out the way Edmonton has with McDavid or Colorado does with McKinnon yep. or anything like that. So his production fits on the third or fourth line in Vegas rightfully so for his position Cassian on the other hand no matter your argument as to what as to the protection angle he's still a guy who's who's taking top line minutes you you could argue that we're past the days in the NHL where where guys in a protection role are only relied upon to do the protecting we're, we're, you could argue we're past that, and now if you're going to play top-line minutes, you need to be relied on to not only keep up with your top-line stars like a McKinnon or a McDavid, but also but also produce. Yep. I, McDavid exactly and McKinnon right. pr- create space on the ice where a Dreisaitl, a Yamamoto, a Rantanen, anybody like that can put the puck in the net, yep. and Cassian just isn't doing that he creates space so in a different way. he does but, but if you're my argument is if you're going to play top line minutes i agree you produce at a top line level that was my point too that's so so yeah and it's it's, it's it's doesn't lessen the effectiveness of a cassian in that way and how pivotal he might be but it you need to let him be pivotal in his way Right. And if that means he's on a third or fourth line and you, you put him out with McDavid, if you see Kachuk start running around, sure, then so be it. But have, st- sticking with McDavid 20-some minutes a game isn't where he fits. Well, that's you're probably going to see more and more of that. It looks like that's the direction that that top six is going. Because as you see... As you see, guys like Nuge, Athens CU being added Athens in, and CU things and, like that. And, uh, you, you see Yamamoto, Tyler guys Ennis like being added. Ennis, you, you, you're probably going to see Cassian more in the ten minute role, role that he fits best in. So, and he can still be the protection guy. You just when when you play teams like Calgary and you see Kachuk running, you then go, all right, for this faceoff. For the for these six minutes in this period, for whatever, Cassian, you're out with McDavid. Right. You're you're his winger. You you're you're out with you're out with Yamamoto. You're out doing this. You're that's your role because Kachuk is clearly running around like a chicken with his head cut off. So you're going to be out there and you're going to do what you need to. Yep. If nobody's running around like that, then Cassian, here you are. You are on this line. These are your minutes. This is your role. 
and it lets the top line do what the top line does from a production standpoint. Correct. So there's, and you, you can't argue, you can't say that Tippett isn't a smart enough hockey mind to be able to shuffle around like that no, when, no. He, when he needs to. So he's got, he's made all the difference in the world. There. So you put, you put Cassian where he need, where he belongs, where he fits, where he needs to be until or unless McDavid is in a situation that he absolutely needs a, a, a body out there that can create space. Otherwise, let Cassian do what he does on a bottom six roll and let McDavid, Drysidle, Athanasiu, Ennis, you know, all these guys do what they do in the in Nugent Hopkins, all these guys do what they do in a top six role. So, yeah, totally agree. So, uh, top six, but not getting much, uh, in the way of, uh, uh in the way of spotlight is, uh, Jake DeBrusque in Boston. Love the way he plays. Uh, Jared McCann, same way in Pittsburgh. <clears throat> Mike Stone in Calgary, healthy scratch for the first month, a couple injuries, and he's starting to play a regular shift now since Christmas. Uh, man, is he, he's carving himself out a spot. And he looks solid yep. on defense. So Agreed. good on him for taking an opportunity and making the most of it. Um, I think you're going to see this out of Barkley Goudreau in Tampa. Mm-hmm. I I love the move, and we talked about it a little bit last week. I love the move shipping Robbie Fabry to Detroit. Doug Armstrong, after a, ter- a couple of seasons of really bad injuries, Doug Armstrong finally said, you're not going to play here in St. Louis, kid. We're not. We don't have a spot. You're. I want you to go someplace where you can succeed. Detroit plugs him in, and he's he's having a great year, and he's making himself some dough, and his, he's prolonged his career, and that's where that goes back to that conversation from the last episode about about guys making those trades like Joe Sackick did with Mike Hutchinson and stuff. Oh, There's good. guys that will move you, give you a chance. You're not going to play here, but I care about what happens to you, and I'll prolong your career by millions of dollars because I'm going to ship you someplace where you can play. Yep. No, agreed. Um, I, I agree. Kevin Fiala is playing well in Minnesota. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He's he's playing well. Good point. Another guy that was just not going to get the minutes in Nashville. Right. Exactly. With Arvidsson and Johansson and... Now the addition of Duchesne and all these guys coming in, he just wasn't going to – and he's a young kid who is playing to earn a top six role, and he just wasn't going to get that in Nashville. And he's he's top-line minutes in in Minnesota, and he's producing as such. He's on the score sheet every night. He's he's playing well in Minnesota. And really, you got to give a shout-out to Minnesota because them and the Rangers, those are two teams that – That are fighting till the last day. Yeah, (laughs) and they are absolutely clawing through the – through the end of the season and probably neither one of them is going to make the playoffs, but boy, are they, they're playing their hearts out. Yeah, they are. They are. They're playing well. I'll give you another one here. And this is something that you better sharpen up in the East and make your, uh, you better, your power play better be ready to play some stellar defense. When you play the Carolina hurricanes, they have got, let me check here. We've got Warren Fogle has three. Aho has three. Brock McGinn has two. Uh, I mean, these guys, these guys put up tremendous threats on the penalty kill every night. And I really, I love a good penalty killer. These are, uh, Aho, what did, I, did I mention Aho? Um, these guys are killing it on the, Killing it on the kill, oh! <laughs> but Fogel, Aho, um, who's the other? Uh, Teravinen. Teravinen's got three shorties, and Brock McGinn's got two. So this is a team that's got. They put up a lot of shorthanded goals. Your power play better be ready to hold them. <laughs> Get out there and don't screw it. How up. often do you hear that? Yeah. Okay. Power play. Hold them. Um, anyway, and Kevin Hayes in Philadelphia. A lot of criticism for that big signing in the uh, of him, and he's really become a player. And you're gonna you're gonna love Nemestikov. He's got four shorties. He's in Colorado now. Yep, he put one in last night. So, my gosh, he, so he's playing 
he's 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 gonna fit well and um I I love the but yeah way Carolina that, plays well. I like Dante Fabro. I want to say two things about Nashville. First of all, Dante Fabro is carving himself a really, really good career. Yep. Off to a great start there. Former V, uh, follow him a little bit closer than some of the others. But uh, the other thing was the uh, the storms that went through Nashville. Yeah, prayers for Nashville. Tornado yep. tore through there and um, I think eight dead or whatever. 20. The, 20? 20. Isn't that, when, I, when I read it, they, were, they said eight. Was so this the, morning. Uh, so they must have been, it must have increased. So 20, 20 dead, businesses and homes destroyed. And um, so that's, uh, but that's a great town uh, for a, for a, a fun, beautiful place like Nashville, just a lively place. That's, yep. uh, it's devastating. It's devastating. But that's a town that'll come together. Yeah. The, you'll you'll see them really rally. Um, the the musicians and stuff in that town. The, those guys are, uh, and not just. I mean, this is a hockey podcast, but the musicians in that town the live they, there. The money they put into the economy in that oh, place golly. with the bars they open. And, They're so involved. And the places, the things they do. Yep. Nashville will recover because they've got the community, but they've also got the celebrity that will step in and really, really show love for that spot, that Absolutely. place. So they'll be, it's devastating, but they'll, they'll come out better than better than before. So yeah. prayers for Nashville. We're Absolutely. with you. Uh, uh, here's some guys that just to, to finish off here, here's a few guys that you need to watch for. If they develop, they're going to go back into that making the GM's job a lot easier come cap management time. Uh, Noel, Noah Juleson in Montreal, they really need him to come along on defense. Uh, Dobson and Dal Cole on the island, got to get something out of them. Josh Mahura in Anaheim, these are guys, and, and uh, Hayden Fleury in Carolina, who, by the way, I've seen play uh, several times in the last month or so. Man, oh man, watch Next time you see Carolina play, watch this kid skate. He is an absolute beauty skater. Effortless, effortless skater. Anyway, that's the guys. I mean, there's more. There's D'Angelo and on the Rangers and and Bolu in Winnipeg and and uh, you know I, these are just the guys that jump out at me. Yep. You've got your own favorites, but you know as as casual fans, especially when you see a team that you don't get to watch every day, watch for these guys. They really make a difference and they're not going to be the ones on the, all the highlight packages. So Agreed. Agreed. Well, um, before we, uh, before we close out here and, and transition and close out, we'll take a quick break and uh, we will be right back. transition um that was i like that discussion on the unsung heroes uh underrated guys uh they don't get enough credit anywhere so to and give them at s- least a bit of a spotlight even on a platform like this is nice so i, I enjoyed that um as we push for the playoffs we're going to get a lot more discussion on things like the two big ones for me just because there's an argument to be made in more than one direction is the Hart Trophy and the Calder Trophy. The Hart Trophy, Dreisaitl, clearly the favorite with 107 points, um, but there's a lot of love for McKinnon and what he brings, Here's no a, matter the points. That's right, but look so, at this stat. Look this up. The difference between Dreisaitl and McDavid, now granted it's McDavid who's on, on a planet of his own, the difference in their scoring is, as of today, it's about 12 or 15 points. Yep. The difference between McKinnon and the next leading scorer in Colorado is like 50 points. Mm-hmm. My point is, where the, being the most valuable player, if you just want to make it, and they will, they're, they'll give it to Dreisaitl, and 
good on him. He's having a great year. They'll just give it to Dreisaitl, like they give the darn Norris Trophy to the leading scorer on defense every year since the beginning of time. It's not what it was supposed to be. I don't like this way of doing things. Well, the There's no question McKinnon is the most valuable to his team. But that's the heart. That's the Hart Trophy. I know. The Art Ross is your is, is um, your leading scorer. I know. But why? So why? But this is I, I hear this all over the place, and I should really, I should stop listening because well, it irritates I, we should, me. We should, and we we're gonna. I want to not carry on too much because both our blood pressures will get up. <laughs> we the point because the the point is we both agree with how ridiculous these awards are. Yep. For a lot of reasons, not the least of which being how ridiculous it is in their decision of who gets it and how they do it. Uh, Art Ross is for the leading, the league's leading scorer. The Hart Trophy is for team MVP. Correct. Things like that. Yep. Norris Trophy is for your top defenseman. And quite frankly, Norris Trophy winner, in my opinion, Ryan Graves. Because he is a defenseman who's got tremendous plus minus yep. and playing quality minutes playing and, is doing, and is doing a top defenseman type role, yep. which is what the Norris Trophy is about. So I think we, the point is, I think we agree on how ridiculous the we awards do. are. We so do. we'll leave it at that. There's a couple that aren't ridiculous. The Ted Lindsay is the we, one that, that the players vote on. If the players vote on it, I'm good with it. Yep, agreed. If the media votes on it, I'm not. Agreed. So I, I, we, we agree on that. Yeah. Um, so we can move on. Yes, we we can move on. I don't want to. When I brought it up, I didn't want to argue about who we think should get it. Um, but but there, that's what we do. There it is. Um, <laughs> but the, the, unfortunately, this our platform is not big enough yet. No. To have any sway in how things are done. So it would just be arguments amongst ourselves. So, again, I I think McKinnon is your Hart Trophy winner. I agree. Even, even at 86 points. Um, I, I believe he'll get to 100 before the year's over with 18 or so games left. Um, yeah. But whether or not he, he does, I, he's the Hart Trophy winner. However... Uh, nothing against Dreisaitl in his 107-point season. So good on him. The Calder Trophy is another one that can go either way right now, Hughes and McCarr being your top two. Right. Um, and yep. you could make our – and this is the one, unlike the Hart, that you can make, at least this year, you can make the argument either way for for who the rookie of the year They're is. They're both playing top minutes. They're both playing against the top lines. And this is the first year in uh, how many years that your top two rookies are defensemen? Right. And they're in the top so, 10 in scoring overall. For everybody. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're these are guys that, and, and the, I guess the, the tipping point for me would be that McCarr's missed, what, eight or 10 games with the injury? Tipping point what direction? For McCarr. For McCarr to win it? Yes. I agree. My argument with that would be the same, that he's producing at the same rate as Quinn Hughes, give or take five or however many point difference there is. Right. But yet he's missed, already he's missed eight games, and then he missed last night too. So he's missed a chunk of games, and he still produces at a rate, at the same kind of rate that Quinn Hughes has been producing. Yep. Nothing against Quinn Hughes, who's doing tremendous in Vancouver. He's... He's, he's fantastic. He's these fantastic. guys, both these kids are tremendous skaters, which is, which has got to be, that's a given now. You can't point out that a kid's a great skater if he's at the top of the game, because that's just the way yeah. it has so, to be. Agreed. So but, it could go either way without argument. Yep. I, I, I would say McCarr gets it on the basis of the impact he's had as a rookie, despite missing games. And I don't think Quinn Hughes has missed any this year, has he? I don't think so. Which is another you could you, which you, which again you is another reason an you could argue then? for it. He hasn't missed any games. He's yep. been in every he's been in every game. He's pulling top minutes and he's producing at a high level. So check ag- their penalty minutes. So again, these guys don't take penalties either. No, McCarr's taken a few, but that's about it. But that's, again, so this is another one you could vote either way, and you can't go wrong. But 
I guess it really at that point comes down to how you look at it and your own, um, um, what's the word, your own qualifications right. for what justifies Rookie of the Year. But, you know, their Calder Trophy, at least especially this year, um, and some awards I'm okay with, Hart, Norris, and things like that are just ridiculous. Yeah. I, and I think we we agree on that. So We uh, do indeed. And we don't agree on much, but we agree on that. We, we touched on it at the beginning. I don't want to touch on it too much, but we how do we feel about emergency goaltender rule? Is it something that needs to change? Nope. It's, Does it need any revamping at all? The only reason it would need revamping is... And, and there will be guys making the argument that if if Ayers had come in and Toronto won and Toronto won and he gave up nine goals on 14 shots, then you would see outrage. Mm-hmm. He didn't. So well, don't change. I, I go back to the Matt Duchesne offside. Rule. Agreed. Don't fit the argument it. I make is whether the guy's an employee for a team or not, the argument I make for emergency goaltenders is you run the risk of any one of them letting in nine goals on 14 shots. Yeah. That's the argument I make. The only time, the only reason I would say, the only reason I would say make, make an emergency goaltender a part of your roster, right? And may, and have every team have an emergency goaltender, meaning let it, let it be minimum, like minimum, minimum salary. He travels with the team he plays stick boy duties or whatever, but he's your emergency goaltender, so every team has it. Yep. Is because I don't want to. I don't want to play what ifs, but the reason to do that is the optics on the league. If, and I say if, I won't say when, but if at some point in the future you get another David Ayers, who's an employee for a team, steps in on an emergency basis f- for the opponent of his employer and then his employer ends up winning the game when the opposing team had a one goal lead at that point or, or anything like that, the optics of it look that maybe this guy played favorites for his own employer. Well, there, there's, and you could, of- you could make the argument professionally that no, of course not. It's just, it is what it is, but I'm just saying optics wise yeah. of how it could look. Well, so that would be my, that would be the one and only argument that I would make for reasons why the only change that would need to happen would be something along the lines of either make the emergency goaltender not an employee of, of anybody. Right. Or figure out a way that doesn't affect your cap at all, that you can have, you know, make it a manager rule where it's not against the cap. It can happen and have every goal, every team have a guy that can be an emergency goaltender. Hire some better guys. Maybe maybe on your on your roster of guys that work at the rink, you ought to make sure that one of them is a really really sharp young goaltender. True. Yeah. So if you got to hire somebody, get the kid who's uh, 28 years old, just out of university, played at a high level or junior or something. Put him on the roster. Mm-hmm. It'll be easier in the Canadian cities than it will in the U.S. Save for Boston, Detroit, Chicago, but uh, it'll be. I, I absolutely wouldn't fiddle with it. It makes a good story, and look, maybe maybe David Ayers or the the next time this happens, maybe the guy comes in and does give up. He gives up a touchdown, right? It can happen to anybody. There are guys making millions in the show right now that on any given night are impossible to hit. So if that's the case, then what are you supposed to do? It can happen to anyone, and it does. So hey, live with it. Agreed. Let it go. Uh, Not just the trade deadline. Um, but I'm of the belief, and let me know your thought on whether teams make the playoffs or not. A team making the playoffs or missing the playoffs is going to have a an effect on Seattle and how they handle their rosters heading into C- to Seattle. So if they don't miss, what I mean is if they don't make the playoffs, how they handle their roster going into next season in order to ensure that they do make the playoffs type of thing 
can have an can have an effect on who they protect going into the expansion draft. It would seem, and I may be wrong, and it, and I know this is not a blanket statement that fits across everybody, or or it might only apply to a few teams. But let's just say, for example, the Ottawa Senators. Obviously, not going to make the playoffs. Obviously, in the midst of a major rebuild, that job when it comes to protecting players is going to be way way easier because your entry level guys are protected. Yep. They're not eligible for the for the uh, Seattle draft. So now, if they want to pick up, unfortunately, I mean, take out take out entry level and take out no move clauses. If you got protection that way, then you're stuck with these guys, or you get to protect them. But let's say a guy like Bobby Ryan. Now he may be your most attractive forward eligible. Yep. I don't know, but it when the the younger your roster is, the more of a rebuild you're in the midst of, the easier it is because mm-hmm. those guys are automatically protected. You don't have to you don't have to manipulate the, the roster. Oh, absolutely, I agree. Uh, con- quick congratulations, uh, Eric Johnson on 300 career points and. Valerie Nutrishkin with 100 career points. So two guys there with some career milestones. Um, I'm, I want to personally thank Val Nutrishkin because he is the first Russian that I ever went public and said, I really like this kid. I love his game. And it took him 10 years to make me right. But he's finally found himself a home. He's got his feet under him now in Colorado. He's making. He's one of those guys like we talked about earlier. He's Sackett gave him a chance. He make the most of it. Now he's going to have. He'll probably have another ten years in the league. Make himself a lot of dough, and it just took a while. Do you see him? Uh, do you see Sackett giving him a new contract? I certainly would. He's still not going to cost you a fortune, but he's still a guy that is effective in all three zones. He's a big body. He's got the skating ability, and he's probably not going to cost you more right now. If you lock him up for three or four years, probably get him for under two. Yep. So yep. I, w- I would certainly, that's a guy that, that's one of those guys we've been talking about today that you want on your roster for sure. Absolutely. What are we looking forward to this coming week? Well, we got to get, uh, we got to dive into some developmental hockey issues here, uh, especially in light of the fact that junior hockey is now in the middle of playoffs all around. Not all around. Well, uh, WHL and uh, the CHL still closing out the their season. CHL's not yet. Depends but. on which ones you look at. Um, USHL hasn't gotten there yet. Uh, the WHL uh, still closing out. Some leagues in the CJHL, like in Saskatchewan and Manitoba, have a week and a half left in their regular season. BC's um, already in it. Right? But the BC's already started, um, and we're also... I don't believe it yet. I still have to do research for it, but we are still, um, I think this weekend actually might be the last weekend of the NCAA regular season heading into the conference tournaments uh, there as they chase the Frozen Four. Oh, okay, yep. Um, Yep. So right right now, junior-wise, I believe the only one fully underway playoffs is BCHL. Okay. And I'm I'm guilty of not looking beyond my own borders here. Yeah, no, but they're they're fully underway. Uh, obviously, we can discuss it. Um, but there's some good hockey there. Um, Penticton running away over West Kelowna Trail over Prince George. Um, Chilliwack sure. and Surrey are have have a good uh, good series going. Coquitlam running away over um, over Langley, of course, um, and things like that. But some good hockey there. So. Um, yeah, that'll to be... look forward to. And oh, I, I say BCHO. AJ, the Alberta Junior League is underway in play, underway. playoffs okay. too. So um, let's do that. We're gonna we're gonna air another episode this week. We're gonna try. Okay, so look for that. Um, we'll expect my overtime check to be proportional. <laughs> yes, well, look for that. Um, we will hopefully do that for you guys uh, this coming week to drop on Thursday for you. So um, stay tuned for that. Enjoy the push for the playoffs in. The all the leagues that you are a fan of, and um, before before we close out, I do want to again, like every week, thank you all for uh, continuing to tune in. Our listeners are the driving force behind what we do, and we can't thank you enough uh, for tuning in. Um, head to Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, 
That's War Room the Hockey Podcast, at War Room the Hockey Podcast, and at War Hockey, respectively. And give us a follow and a like. Um, engage with us. Uh, write us any questions or thoughts that you might have. Um, we love to hear from everybody. Uh, head to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. And then leave us a rating and a review, preferably a five-star review if possible. And share with friends and family, everybody you know, to continue to help us uh, grow. Uh, it's what we hope for. It's what our goal is to continue to grow for you and provide quality hockey content. So, uh, again, thank you for tuning in. Thanks for joining the studio. Love it. Thanks for having me. Yep. And uh, I am Evan Rauer, and I will see you all throughout the hockey community. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.